When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. G'day everybody, welcome to episode 6 of The Carlton Show. Who said that uh, we wouldn't make it episode 6? That's um, longevity in this cape. Lovely to be here after the opening round of the 2017 season. Andy Maher here alongside Paul Barbaza. Uh, Andy, welcome, welcome, welcome to Gecko back from Bali too. You Great go? to be back on Terra Firma, boys. How'd you go, Gekman? Uh Look, I recommend anyone go over there. The people are beautiful. The weather is always beautiful yes. and... They can teach us a thing or two about how to live. But how did you go, Gecko? <laughs> You're a silly man. Keep going. <laughs> we can't divulge those things, Andy. 43 points the margin, uh, boys, at the end of the first round. Uh, 25 points the different three-quarter time. I think we all thought we'd um, played our way into a position that had a few things gone our way early in that last quarter. Who knows? Who knows? I don't think many of us thought we were going to win the game. But um, the biggest takeaway from it, Bagsy, what... what Let's start with the game because there's a few other things that we want to talk about. And the other thing we're going to do at the end of this uh, podcast is throughout the year, we're going to uh, um, put out our votes according to the rules, the systems that we have at the footy club, the way the coaches give out the votes for the B, for the BNF. And we're going to keep our own Carlton show, BNF. We're all going to keep our own votes. And at the end of the year, we'll tabulate ours, see what we think. But then we'll have an individual tally as well to see which one of us has the most acute eye. Uh, to see who got closest to the three two one in the BNF at the end of the year, so that'll be right at the end of the potty today. Um, but your first, your, your your main takeaway point, Baz, from the opening round of the season, what was it? Uh, that we um, have got we played seven players under the age of twenty that showed more than enough to me and to most people that they could be very good players for us long-term. And that's the short and the, the long, of, long of it, I guess. But um, as as the season rolls on, we'll bring more youngsters through and hopefully they show the same as what we got out of the, the first few. And, I mean, that's that's what I got out of it. I mean, you know, the, the older players did their bit. Um, but by and large, the, the seven players I've marked down here and I've marked them down pretty pretty well. Uh, they all got a tick from me, so that's what I got out of the first round. What are the pair, before we get your main point, it might be the same as that, tell us if it is, but what do you say to the people out there? And there's there's even a lot of Carlton supporters out there who I must say I'm getting a bit frustrated by. You're enti- completely entitled to your own opinion, and that's what makes the world and a democracy a great place. But what do you say to the Carlton people out there and the other and supporters of other clubs say, ah, oh, it's bullshit excuses, you blokes are trotting out young players. It's a, it's, it's, you're... You're deflecting from the the reality that you know good. What do you say to the people that don't buy what this club is selling in 2017? Is there is 
Is there something that either of you want to say to those people? Oh, I do, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've followed this club as long as all of us have, and if you can't see what our recruiting and coaches are trying to do right now, and if you can't see that it's going to take some time, and if you haven't got any patience, and if you don't have any vision, then I really suggest you probably don't even go to the footy, watch Carlton at all, because we're all about future. We're all about building the blocks. We're all about um, getting the right people, uh, hopefully into a team that in whatever it takes, three years, two years, five years, let's not put a time on it. We really don't know. But to get your best 35 players uh, and run with depth, you really have to um, go through the draft, pick players from other clubs, be selective. We're going to make some mistakes along the way, as quite a few people have already (laughs) pointed out that we've made some mistakes. But, But regardless of that, those people there need to take a whopping big deep breath and really they have to check themselves. They have to say to themselves, why do I follow this club? Why? You know, do you love the club? Are you just one of those that just jump on when they're going well? Um, are you one of those that lays the boots in when we're not going so well? We could have laid the boots into this club many years ago mm. for going down the path of picking terrible players from other sides and woeful draft picks. But that's all in the past. I don't want to talk about the past all the time. It really, it, it really gripes me to talk about the past. What we need to see is what Soss is doing. You know, I believe in Soss. I believe it's a passionate Carlton man. His family is too. He's not there at the club to stuff us around. No. He's there with Bolton. They're on a mission. You just listen to what they're saying. We haven't got the list right now. We know that. We know that. We know there's got to be some tinkering in the next year or two or three, but for the people who can't stand the way we're playing or what we've got, then I suggest you, I don't know, take a long holiday. Anything, any different tack to any of that, Gek, or or uh, anything you want to add to that? Uh, not so much. Uh, look, I think if you're entitled to criticise the club at, at various levels and, and be fair about it, I think. If, Spot on, no doubt about um, that. Uh, I guess my criteria for that sort of level of uh, criticism and critique is from a player point of view, you've got to wait till they've played at least 30 to 50 games to have a serious opinion about whether they can play or not. I mean... I'm glad you uh, said that, Gix. Anything below that, you yeah. you don't know anything about football. So these guys are basically, you know, they're just out of high school going into university at football level and... You know, they're preparing for work. They're not. They don't have the senior set of skills required to play. You know, twenty-two rounds of football at this level. So, a season under the belt—that's twenty-two games. It's still not even there. So, let's just get that straight. Uh, Thirty to fifty games is like your minimum spec, and after that, you can start potting guys or saying they're not good at this, that, or the other. Part two, I think you can, you can criticise the management of the team. You can start looking at coaches, the way they're um, instructing players to play or the types of 
roles they're giving players to play, that type of thing, I think is fair game, even though they're also finding out what players can and can't do. So you've got to give that with a, a grain of salt. Is that now or down the track, Gix? Uh, it, again, it comes under how much time these people have spent with each other. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fresh um, people in the staff at player level and coaching level, and they've got to find chemistry with each other and the language to talk to each other as well. So, you know, you've got to take all that with a grain of salt and especially not go early in round one in 2017. That is just an out-and-out out out ridiculous way to go about things. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's all about settling into the season right you now. You made a lot of sense the pair of you. I parents. really want to bury something right from the get-go because I heard things at the football that really got under my skin people out there who want to um get stuck in a march bank making a few mistakes plowman for a couple of mistakes you know and and yell out that's why you weren't getting a game at gws that's not why they weren't getting a game at gws you know why they weren't getting a game at gws because they're injured spell that out it's It's injured it's it's embarrassing for the people who who are actually saying it it's it's a you know, one thing that does happen in footy, that you spend a lot of time watching your own team, uh, you hope, but a lot of supporters don't spend a lot of time watching other teams. Oh, they just don't. They might watch a game. They might sit at home on a Sunday Arvo with a pizza and a beer, and the game might be on, but they're not really watching it. They don't get a sense for lists at other teams. The, the people who are saying that about those two players in particular have got no idea, absolutely no idea, of the esteem in which they were held, and Pickett, even though I was going to mention, even him, though he was yeah. lazy yeah. Uh, up at the Giants, but those three players in particular were very, very highly rated by the GWS uh, organisation. Uh, very highly rated. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, I was up in Canberra for the AFLW game, and I was talking to the, uh, I was not going to say who it was. I was talking to a, uh, a football official of the Giants men's <clears throat> team who has a bit to do with the women's team as well. And obviously, you know, we had a bit of time up. So I was talking about the three, um, the two that had come over, Pickett and, um, and Marchbank. He said to me, mate, Marchbank was in our 18 last year. If he, if he was happy and he was fit and he wanted to be the player that we know he's going to be, he would have been sent out back in our team. Forget about the other blokes we had there. He, he would have been starting in our 18. And as for Pickett as talented as any player they've got on their list, but just they couldn't find, he couldn't settle there. They couldn't find the button to push to get him excited. What I've been told about his early days at Carlton is that Andrew Walker has found that. Whatever it is, Walker's found it. He's he's spent a lot of time with the Indigenous kids. He's spent a lot of time with Pickett in particular. Pre-season went away for four or five days up to the river with him. And it sounds like Jared Pick and Andrew Walker have really connected. And Walker has got him. He's got him in AFL headspace. So everything you said about uh, 30 to 50 games, that starts now. But you, Gecko, but what you're saying about these pickles who are saying what they're saying about these blokes, they don't, they've, never watched the G, they've never watched the Giants closely. They don't know anything about these kids. Correct. And they, if you thought that it could help them, you'd actually say a quarter time, three-quarter time, half time. Say, hey, mate. Come up here. I'll tell you a little bit about these blokes. But oh, I couldn't be bothered, Andy. I'd rather just punch him in the throat. To no, be don't honest. Do, but don't no I won't do that. No, but no. I'm just saying, and and like again, I'm, I'm going to balance the argument. Right, there's two guys from GWS, Lamb and um, Sumner, Sumner, who aren't going so well at the moment, who need to lift a cog hmm. or two. Right, so 
I'm going to balance the argument. So, yeah, there's a couple there that are a bit shaky, but Phillips is injured, and Phillips showed enough last year to say that he's going to be okay. But there's three people on the list, right, of four, actually, Bokehurst, Thomas, Jones, and Jax, who get a lot of attention from the Carlton people, a lot of attention from uh, the media, as they're not up to it, they're no good. Well, let me tell you, Stephen Silvani wasn't at the club when those players came into our club. So... Lay off Stephen Silvani about players like that, okay? Talk about the now, but when you talk about them, don't talk about those players and Stephen Silvani in the same breath. Well, you got another, little, you got another drive-through. There's a few lining up seemingly to... There's a, there's a sample line of people who want to give him a kick in the head at the moment. We don't want to dwell on this, and I know you don't want to spend much time talking about it, Kex, but you and I both spoke about this today, and we both saw it yesterday, the Kane Corns drive-through, the cheap shop that Kane Corns, who, again... I think we both really rate. I really rate Kane. Corns. Talks a lot of sense I normally. I think he does. But the stuff he said yesterday about the Gibbs deal and Silvani, I just, I'm still twenty four hours later, over twenty four hours later, I'm still shaking my head. Well, I, yeah, I'm shaking my head too. But I mean, I saw the bloke who was sitting next to him, and it was Matthew Lloyd. So maybe Matthew's got you know issues with sauce. Back to 99, we beat him by a point or something like that. Maybe he just can't let go. He's, maybe he's crying all the time about it. I'm not quite sure what he, what the story is there. But for Corns to come out and say that we should have released Gibbs to get Sam Powell Pepper with our first pick, which would have been 13, which eventually get, becomes 15 because of um, academy players getting yeah, picked yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. There's no rhyme or reason why we would have picked Sam Pell Pepper. So why he comes out and particularly says that player because, there? Because, because he had a good game. It was opportunistic bullshit. That's what it was. Yeah. Well, he had a good game, but I'll tell you how good a game he had. He had 19 touches, kicked two goals, some score involvements, a couple of tackles. But you know what? He went at 57%. 57%. I don't want to slam the kid, but if Corns wants to bring it up, I'll bring it up. He went at 57%. We've got enough blokes in our list that go at 57 We don't need another one. But that's been unfair to the kid. Yeah. First game, that's been very unfair and a little bit facetious in what I'm saying. But when he gets so excited about a kid's game, right, I thought it was an absolute ball burster. I thought it was like, oh, geez, a 10 out of 10. Well, it's clearly not a 10 out of 10. But he's, he's not comparing the apples to the apples. He's talking about hypotheticals, right, massive hypothetical, right? Carlton and, Gex and you guys have talked about Carlton having values, and core values that, you know, if you want to trade with us, we're not going to roll over like we have in the past, right? So Soss and his men said, yeah, we'll, we'll trade. All right, Gibbs wants to go there, no dramas, ha-ha. Right, okay. So what, what are you going to give us? And they don't want to give us enough. No. So we stand firm. What's wrong with that? Nothing. What's wrong with standing firm for your values? I mean, I'm not concerned that we haven't got Sam Powell Pepper. Like, and he says that... Uh, Gibbs won't be in our next finals campaign. Well, he's, what, 28? So if he's still there at 33, he's suggesting we won't make finals in the next five years. Oh, well, that, that might be right, but it might be wrong too. And when you and I'm telling you, I'm going to quote it because I wrote it down. You said he didn't say this, but he said it. Well, it doesn't make any sense what you're quoting him as saying. It was, it well, was, no, that's why. Yeah, well, well, he said he basically said, if Carlton people, what do you want out there? Would you rather a Sam Pell Pepper for five or ten years running around, or would you rather Gibbs running around as an unregistered dog bill? No, yeah, but as an unregistered dog, comma Bill Brown. I think he might have been talking to Bill Brownless. Oh, was he? Like an unregistered dog. Well, that's which, even worse. Which is a shocking thing to say. Well, That's even worse. The, the implication is 
he just goes wide. He doesn't get he doesn't get in the heavy. He's not next to his owner. He's loose. He just does whatever he wants to do. That, that's the pot, and you can and Bryce Gibbs has been copping that from day one, and that's what he's going to have to live with. But we talked about this on the opening podcast of the year that Bryce Gibbs has never played the bash and crash inside game that people want to see him play now in the mature stage of his career. He's never done that. So why people think he's going to start doing it now is it's harebrained. But we don't want to spend too much time on it. Because no, but I mean, social media has gone rife on it. Yeah, you know, no, they it wanted has, us to has. comment. I'm going to comment it. I was pretty unhappy with what he said. And there's no sense in what he said whatsoever. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I really don't. So. Is there anything you want to say about this before we roll off it? Like I said before, I mean, it's round one. You're going to go making big, bold statements. And I think you just show your intelligence when you look at the low-hanging fruit and go for the obvious things that, you know, you just your brain sort of tells you to say something without any substance. It's, you know, I don't waste my... I don't watch the show because I'm probably sleeping in on a Sunday morning anyway, (laughs) but... You know, half those blokes are on the Terps in the morning on Sunday anyway, so I wouldn't take anything. I, I, I got, a, I just get upset that it's three weeks in a row that yeah. the coach yep. and the list manager mm. has been smacked around the teeth, and we all know the football world should know exactly where we're at. He called it the worst draft, um, the worst draft decision decision he's seen ever seen. I don't know. It's ridiculous. Well. Let's yeah. move on. Uh, yeah, okay. I just wish Carlton supporters would just exhibit would exhibit the fact they have a filter that allows this stuff not to get into their brain and then start spewing out of their mouths. I wish Carlton supporters. Well, that's had, the problem too. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah. pushing for membership and all the rest uh, of it. So I'm not worried. We're not so. here to pump up the footy no, club. Yeah, you know, we're not. We're not here to do that. We, we like and anybody who thinks that we're aligned to the football club, we're not. We are as members and supporters. That's but we got nothing ends. to do with the footy club. So when the club deserves, uh, as Gecko said before, when the club deserves a clip. It's going to get a clip from us. And I've got a couple of things I want to give them. Very, very minor on the minor end of the scale before we wrap it up. But there's a couple of things I want to say about a few things we did. Um, on Friday night as a club, not necessarily as a footy team, that I, I want to see gone. I don't want to see any more of that from our home games. But we'll get to that. Can you make sure I get to that? Okay, I'll do it now. The banner, the, the, the funny banner, the smart aleck banner, the clever banner, that's done. That belongs to the Western Bulldogs. That's mm. Danny McGinley's, right? That's his gig. He's done it. Well done, Danny. It's good, and it's the Western Bulldogs, and it's clever. The banner that we put up the other night was an, was an embarrassment. It was actually it, it wasn't funny was having a go at Dustin Martin, who came out and ripped us a new one. Yep. Um, it's been Apparently, it's been paid for by some PR firm. I, I, now, I stand to be corrected on this, and I hope I'm wrong. But someone was telling me, oh, no, they've, they've got some marketing firm in to come up with these. They have. Is that that's a fact? Oh, that, I heard that. Well, myself. that is the greatest pile of horseshit I've ever oh, heard yeah, in my life. It's just the, the bloody Letterman show all of a sudden. All <laughs> this sort of stuff, right? Comedy writers. So yeah. that's not our. I want us to keep our head down. I want us to be blue collar, play footy, do the job. Don't draw any external attention to us. Just just be honest and diligent and respectful of where we're at and of the opposition. That banner. As soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, this is, I don't know where, why we're doing this. I'm embarrassed, and, uh, and it, um, we got what we deserved. The other thing, and look, this is so petty, and I feel sort of half pathetic bringing it up, but 
who thinks having some stupid piss weak pyrotechnic on the back of the grandstand when we kick a goal at the MCG is a good idea? It's just it's crap. It's this is bull. This is it's Seppo. It's yeah, it's it's it's, it's NBA yeah. NFL crap. Not it's for not mine. for us. It's not where we're at. Maybe we're too old, Andy. Oh well, maybe we are, mate. But <laughs> nah. if that's if that's pitching to a young, we're losing our culture with that shit. We're oh, Australian. You're with me, right? You're Give a, a freaking break. Am I out of line? Bringing I don't oh, want this. You're not be... out of line. I... Me and Fee thought the scoreboard was on fire. I don't want our club to be doing this. I, want oh, us to I be... thought. I thought. Go I thought the, the scoreboard was going to cave I in. Appeal to the wider audience, not just Carlton people. Can we just get our Australianness back, please? <laughs> and and. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's renew the bullshit radar that we used to have. Oh, mate, Bring please. back the bluebirds. Well, even that was a bit of I didn't mind borrowed it. rubbish. No, I'm not. I don't want any of that stuff. I don't want any of it. And right. they're the two things that we did on Thursday night. It, presumably, that's going to be part of you know a weekly thing that we're going to do, and particularly home mm. games. I don't want to see it. I don't want it. And if anyone at the club is you know listening to this podcast. If this is reflective of uh, feedback you're getting from elsewhere, save yourself the thirty or forty grand, whatever it's costing you to do this, put it somewhere else because it's not us, and I don't want it to be us. Uh, let's get the bad stuff out of the way to begin with. What was the thing about our performance on Thursday night um, that troubled you the most, Gex? Was there something that um, was, has been rolling around in your head since you saw the game? Uh, after watching the game. And probably even while I was watching the game, uh, three areas. I'll, I'll I'll just begin with one. Uh, poor starts, and this is this is a bit of a theme. I, th- I think we kind of got better at it last year, but we've reverted back to our old ways. Um, first quarter, first three goals to Richmond. Second quarter, first four to Richmond. Third, first one to Richmond. Fourth, first three goals to Richmond. Um, first minute of the second, third, and fourth quarters, Doc, a dockety turnover, Simo turnover, Simo turnover. I'm not potting the finger at those guys because they have a crack and they're trying to do the right thing, but I think, I don't know what it is, but we've we've lost our defensive aspect of team, the, the way the team's playing or something, but... We're starting to cough up cheap goals, and um, <clears throat> I think the momentum shifts that are involved in those those key moments at the starts and ends of quarters are really um, they're the big goals that sort of shape the game. So that was an area that I I didn't like, and we have to address very quickly. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and no, I agree with all yep, of that. Yep. Um, I'm gonna focus on the first half and just basically, you know. They've been waiting for four or five months to play football and everyone's busting out of their skin to play. And when you play half a game of footy and you can lay only 22 tackles, a lousy 22 tackles, well, it's no wonder they kick 13 goals. It's uh, it's no wonder that they were doing as they pleased. And it's funnily enough, after half time. We stepped it up to 42 tackles in the second half, and the scoreboard, lo and behold, started to go our way. Mm. Well, go figure. Mm. I mean, you know, tackling is a huge part of the game. That pressure, even pressure acts, you don't actually have to tackle, but you've got to, you know, put, lay a hand on, just make him know that you're there. It's massive. Just a pressure act, massive. something to give them that little bit of um, something. And we allowed Richmond in the first half 
disposal efficiency in the first half, 85% they went at. Well, that's, that's, you can't win. You can't, you can't beat a team if they're, if you're allowing them to be that clean with the footy, uh, you can't, you can't so, beat them. So that was a big negative. And, and as Gecko said, you know, turnovers and, and good players, good players turning it over. They just, what happens is it, it runs rife through the team and then the Kernow will do it and Murphy will do it and Gibbs will do it. It just, it just runs. But to Richmond's credit, they put 88 tackles on for the game. So they were 20 tackles higher than us, right? That's not not necessarily a winning uh, formula, but we needed to match him in that area, and we clearly didn't. Well, here, here is what, and, and they know this. I'm sure the coaches know this, and I'm sure they're telling the players this. But this is what is obvious now. If the scouting report uh, every week against Carlton, against us, is going to be pressure, pressure, pressure. They will cough it up. Yep. They will cough it up. Yep. You put enough pressure on this mob, they will cough it up. So the challenge is going to be on for our blokes, okay, how do we buy a bit more space? How do we find a bit more time um, when we've got the ball in our hand? Um, and that's going to be the challenge. Now, you see a kid like um, Caleb Marchbank who runs straight at the opposition. When he gets the footy, he wants to he wants to break a line and he wants to be a 70, 80 metre player or he wants to hit the 45s. God, I, I want him to keep doing it. Oh, he's the last player I want to say, rein yourself in, mate. I don't want to see you take that aggressive option because I think I know what he's going to be you know, when we're a good side. And when he's 23, 24, 25, I think I know... You know the sort of player that Marchbank's going to be, and he's going to, going to be a player who will just naturally learn to temper when to go and when not to. He'll work it out, but I, for the time being, I want him to go. But as a group, we do need to find a way without being sl- a slow movement team. I think we do need to find a way to just find a bit more time and create a bit more space for ourselves. Well, I think that's it. And if you look at the Western Bull, you're looking at the handball. You look at the Western Bulldogs. The first thing they and Sydney and Hawthorne, the first thing they do when they get ahead, they get out the back. They go backwards and they never go forwards. And we've been talking about this right through the JLT. Forward handballs are crap. They've got to stop. We've got to get it somehow. Got to get it out of our system. Go back with the give the bloke out the back the chance to have the full field in front of him. And then run, then spread, and run a bit of interference for him, and hope. And I'm sure they're trying all that. I mean, these guys are they're smart guys, these coaches. But um, that was what was happening again on Thursday night, and it's going to, you know, Melbourne. Melbourne are going to be supercharged this week. Oh, for sure. And they're going to, they're going to, they overwhelm St Kilda after quarter time with their physical pressure um, around the midfield. They're going to be, they're going to try and break us really early in this game. Well, they only laid 64 tackles, Melbourne, and St Kilda only laid 52. So that, yeah, okay. So right if up. we can, if we can up that tackle rate, particularly early, we can keep ourselves in the game, deny them the corridor, which they seem to open up the ground. I was listening to Paul Roos say, Melbourne's very good at making the ground look huge. Mm. So they come through the corridor and then they've got options both sides. So I'm sure Carlton will do their homework to nullify that corridor space that they get. But that's, you know, again, it's that's next week. So. I don't know whether it was first game of the season nerves, but did either of you guys notice how many times, and it, I think it started to settle itself down after half time, but in the first half, how many times defenders 
were caught opponent watching rather than ball watching. Did you notice the ball would be the you know balls are coming in not necessarily long ball short whatever, and our blokes are and I saw Simo do it I saw Lockie Plowman, Plowman do it, yeah. um, the Castagna the first yeah, one yeah, yeah. he's so worried about so unnecessary yeah, but just yeah. if he watches the ball he, he, he gets there three leaders in front of Castagna this is what I don't get because a guy like Plowman shouldn't worry about Castagna in the air spot so on back yourself by watching the football or. And, and and not just watching the football, but being aware of how many people are around you at the same time at the point where the ball's coming down. Like what they did really well this week as a as a real pro was that they they weren't three up in the air this week, and they really did their aerial uh, work spoiling beautifully. That was the best I've ever seen. Actually, it was. Yeah, I agree with though, that. Rowe and Marchbank. They really spiked the ball beautifully towards the boundary. Nothing fell over the back. That part of the game was as clean as I've ever seen. And they were clearly working on that part of the game to make it very simple for the players around them to know what they were going to be doing. And I I just put that down as a big tick because I hadn't seen that in the lead-up games and that was a, pro- a progressive step from, from my point of view. The next The next stage is to structure up around those situations so that they have ground ball get uh, people picking that up and getting it to an outside player in the right spot chest on the play. So they, they've got good vision of where they're going to kick the ball. You know, that, that type of thing where they have two or three players around the contest to work out with each other what to do. It's a bit like soccer. You'll see... You'll see patterns when people are playing soccer. They'll work in triangles. They'll work mm. in, you know, little shapes, the geometric shapes that they use up and down the ground to try and work space out uh, around the ball. And I'm no, I know football clubs do that as well. I don't think we're quite there as a team yet because of the the the, the sort of uh, maturation of various players, how the age differentiation between old and young, and we don't have that middle age group. It makes it very difficult to have that chemistry, but that's the sort of thing that we're going to see progress on as the year goes on. Yeah. Well, I'm just, just going to touch on uh, disposal efficiency, and I matched up 10 players v. 10 players, 10 Richmond blokes against 10 Carlton blokes, and there's only one young player amongst the Carlton list, right? So I'm trying to be pretty fair. I had Martin, Cochin, Prestia, Caddy, Edwards, Grigg, Conker, Ellis, Hooley, and Nankervis. They're all their playmakers, yep. midfielders, wingers, blah, blah. I've got Cripps, Gibbs, Murphy, Ed Kernow, Smets, Thomas, Petrovsky, Seaton. I, I didn't want to mention him, but Petrovsky, Seaton. Doherty, Petrovsky. Simpson. It's not. It's who's the who's Petrovsky? Isn't that the bloke that does the weather Petrovsky. report? Petrovsky. Petrovsky. Yeah, Petrovsky. SPS. SPS, yeah, SPS. Petrovsky's the bloke who does the market watch on right. the Channel 10 okay. News, isn't it? Doherty, yeah, Simpson, the cruiser. So you put their disposal efficiency, you add it up, divide it by 10. They come out with 82% mm. efficiency. We come up with 67. So... That's a huge differential. And that's... These are... these are The guys, the Carlton guys I mentioned, are not first gamers. They're oh. not guys that... They've been around. So... Unfortunately, they let themselves down in that area big time. They've kicked 11 out of their 20 from turnovers. And I know you said some of them were unforced. A lot of them were forced. They were just working a lot harder than us. And to get those numbers going our way, you just got to work a lot harder, I reckon. So that to, 
in, in, in football terms, just thinking about those numbers that you've um, put up there, that turns they, – they are likely to have a, like a four-possession clean chain yep. where they go bing, 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 bang. Yes. We're going to go bing, bing, bing. And then we're going to go yep. with the with the one that's supposed to go bang. Correct. So we clean up that we, we turn that yes. we find that fifteen percent or close that gap. Well, you won't find it overnight, no, but no. it's going to happen. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you totally. It's... Okay, um, where are we all? And this is whether he likes it or not, and whether the Carlton Footy Club likes it or not. Uh, one of the big talking points out of the round is Dale Thomas. Okay, there were there were probably three. You probably think Kerridge. Palmer, in particular, were probably marginally unlucky not to be in the 22, given what they've done over the preseason. Kerridge has done for the club since he's been there. Daisy looks significantly off the pace. I mean, he has, since he's come back from the foot and ankle injuries, it's through no fault of his own. You know, you, whoever you talk to at the club, he's working his ring off. Absolutely, he's not bludging. He wants to be a good Carlton player. He puts in a training. His training standards are elite. Talk to anyone at the club. Tick, tick, tick. Great with the kids in parts. You know, his game day knowledge. Tick, all of that. But then he gets to the line on game day and the game looks 10% too fast for him. It just continues to be the case. Positive start, drifts out, can't get back in the game. And then the last snapshot for me was when he tried to lay the bump instead of the tackle at the end. Not a good look. It was a shocking look, but it was a, I reckon it was a sign of something. The, the guy's just lost his ability to impact a game of footy the way he used to, and despite trying his guts out to get back there, he can't, right? So what do we do? What do we do with Dale Thomas? What, what do we do with him, Gex? Well, I, I brought this subject. Oh, well, even in the very first podcast, I... Um... I alluded to the fact that I was surprised that he came back this year mm-hmm. and that he probably should have sat down at the end of last season and done the right thing by club end. You know, obviously he's got a, a financial advantage in continuing this season, but, you know, this is round one and he's, I think everything's out on the table. You're not going to see anything different from what we've seen in previous seasons. Um, Dale's going to have to have a very thick skin to survive this season because he's going to be scrutinised like never before um, by internal people as well as outside. Um, you know, If I was selecting the team, I'd be selecting the best players every week regardless of reputation and uh, any other um, criteria. So... For me, he would probably not be in our best team. And in fact, I was very disappointed the from a selection committee point of view that they didn't have carriage in the side because we clearly didn't have a match-up for Martin. And he was almost the difference. I mean, clearly Richmond played better than us, but the scoreboard gave us a chance at various stages. Um, but Martin just kept coming up with those big goals when it counted or, or made a big play for others to kick goals. So... Kerridge, for mine, was the right guy to have on the ground or at least give us an option there, and um, somebody kept him out of the team. So that's all I'll say at this stage. Um, I might just play devil's advocate here a little bit because um, 
He got 17 Don't touches. Don't quote the numbers, mate. Well, he got 17 touches. He, did, he went at 76, Andy. He did start the game he well. He started at, the game well. He went at I'll 76. You if you want to, uh, numbers, Cripps went at 63, Gibbs went at 69, Murphy went at 65, and Kerno went at 73. Yeah. All less than what Thomas went. But you watch the game, and I can clearly see where both of you are. Are at. I looked at. Were, I you, don't, su- were you surprised by the stats? Were you, when I yes, saw, when I yes, looked I at it on, Mon- on yes, Friday was, morning, yes. and I saw he had seventeen. I was no, sure, I, was, I, was I was surprised. And look, Smets had seventeen, the same as him. But Smets went at eighty-eight, and he went at seventy-six. Look, my my big problem with Dale Thomas is I is he a forward? Is he a yeah, back? No, is he a winger? Is he a mid? Yeah. Has he got a task? I tried to ask Jamison last week, and I probably didn't ask the question properly. Is what what task would and he said oh they give him a different task every week well I'm not sure what the task is because mm. he clearly doesn't run with any player I don't think does his own thing doesn't he well he, he can't be assigned a job I mean he can't go back he can't be a sweeper he doesn't kick the ball well enough for a start anymore mm. he get he's going to get burnt by just about any other player once it gets to a flat line you know straight sort of foot race he's going to get burnt off by just about every player of equivalent size. Than him in the league, and you can't have this conversation without sounding like you're brutally laying the boots into the bloke. But there are physical reasons for why he is playing all, the sort of footy he's playing now. It's all physical, of course it is. And and what I what I see is a guy who knows that he has limitations now. Every time he goes out on the ground, he's left with his smarts, and and that's really the only thing going for yep. him. He is yep. a very smart footballer. What you see now is he will go to the extreme areas of the ground to get possession. He will go to the to the pockets, to the boundary wing. He will go to the extreme gaps and cracks of the ground because he knows if he runs around the back of, of play and comes out somewhere where the ball might end up, he'll be open and get a, and get a touch. So that, you know, to his credit, he knows how to read the play and be in those positions. But what we actually need is a guy who can do his regular shift and do, you know, five tackles, um, chase downs, uh, put pressure on the opposition. Pressure. Yeah. All of those things. Yeah, well, you're that, not getting any of that. That stop the opposition doing the easy transition from one end of the ground to the other with the alley-oop that Richmond was doing that he can't do because he can't get to multiple contests. Oh, I agree with it. I agree with that, mate. If, if you're wanting something... Uh, in that effect, then we are then going down the Cunningham path. We're going down the Fisher path. Um, yeah, we're looking at other avenues there for sure. Maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe even the Graham path, Palmer, Kerridge. All the, all these guys here would be probably saying, you know, put me in. I can do that. Mm. So, is he? he's out of your round two team. Is he in your round two team? It sounds oh. like you might find it. You might be able to make a case to for him to hold his ground, I'm not real sure. Okay, sitting on the any any on. other the any he's out of my team. Okay. I've got him out. Um, any other negatives from the? I mean, we you could probably if you want to go through a, with a fine tooth, but any big picture negative stuff that you want to get out of the way and off your sis off your chest before you move on to the the kind of more positive stuff from the weekend. Not really. Okay, no, I think I've covered all. The all areas. right. Okay. We'll keep going then. What of the of the you know, glass half full approach to what we dished up in round one, what, what was the thing that caught your eye the most? 
good, the good, the pros for me was I've already covered the defenders how they tidied up their aerial contest. So I thought that was an excellent uh, progressive step from that part of the ground. Um, yeah, as I said, that that's an evolutionary thing. Uh, we we obviously have to stop the opposition kicking so many goals, potential uh, and and easy goals. Easy at goals that. Yeah. It, it seems that when the actually Richmond weren't much better than us. Uh, when you look at the game, when it got to the last line of defence, they were just as um, easy to score off as we were. Uh, well, they're not actually. a great team, Paul. No, and that's why we gave ourselves a chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but um, we, I, I think our six defenders are quite good. I think they're probably pretty good players uh, when you look at our list, and I just think they have to combine better somehow. Um, to stop those leaky goals at the back, I, I not just still can't work out how it keeps happening. I know this week, last round was the defend uh, the midfielders weren't coming back hard enough. Um, Kerno didn't chase back pre- chase back Prestia hard enough, let him loose in the first quarter to just run through the goal square for a, an easy one. And there were a couple of pinball little kicks in the packs in the goal square, but. It just always seemed to end up with a Richmond guy behind our defenders. It's been happening all pre-season. Yeah, and and it's been a pattern for a long time, and um, I just don't know. Like, we we have to have some sort of continual sweeping system where a guy is always behind the last player or something. I don't know how that works, but something has to happen. We were kicking around the theory. you got a theory about this. Too tall. Oh, well, yeah, people have told me that, like, we probably went in too tall, and I can see where they're coming from. I mean, when you've got Marchbank, Plowman, White, McCready, Rowe, that's five talls, and they all predominantly played back against, really, I mean, Griffiths and Rewalt did absolutely nothing. So we mm. had them covered. The, the damage came from all the small forwards and small midfielders that they've got. And, you know, I don't want to rehash what we've got rid of, but Zach Tui, again, we don't have that, the guy who plays on the small. Well, Plowman plays on a small, and maybe McCready played on a small, but McCready was the first gamer. Mm. At the end of the day, like, we've got Sheehan and Byrne who are injured. I can't find another player on the list that plays that role. Do you guys know of a player that can play that role? Maybe Tom Williamson, but again, he's 18. He's just, he looks midfielder to me. Well, it, it's just not there, right? So I think when people say we went in too top-heavy down back, and, and that's, that's a fair point. Can we turn Dennis into that? If Dennis is going to survive, can we turn Dennis into that? At least Armfield is aggressive, he's disciplined, he can tackle, and he's got speed. He's got great closing speed. I'll throw one at you. If Armfield's going to survive, does, is it time for Armfield? We don't need him forward anymore. We don't need him. I mean, he, he kicked a clever goal for us the other night. But we, I think we do have, until Byrne is up yeah, and going, sure. I feel like we, we do need some and maybe another fast ground-level defender to cover. Well, I don't know if this guy's a ground-level, but he's been down there before and done very well until – Someone decided he's a dead set midfielder, and I think I, I know who you. Well, I think you guys know who I'm going to allude to. But right now, we don't have the depth of midfielders to send this guy back. And I'm saying Gibbs because Gibbs is a smart player. He uses the footy, and, he's, a, yeah, and yeah. he's not a crash and bash midfielder. He is 
an outside midfielder. He allows Kerno and Cripps and whoever's in there to flick it out. If he went down back, he can play tall, he can play small, um, delivers the ball beautifully as a halfback flanker. That's the problem with Armfield. He's a bit of a... Right. They're not going to do it. (laughs) They won't do it. It doesn't matter what I say here. They will not do it because they see him as the A-grade midfielder. But would I would I do it? I'd certainly give it a go. I don't mind it as a theory. I don't think he, I don't think Bryce would buy into it. I don't think You're he was. Right. I don't think he was happy when he was assigned that role. You're probably last right. Time around. You're yeah, probably right. He played grumpy all year that year. Yeah, I think he, anyway. was, he had to pay. He had to oh, pay I just thought I'd dish it up. So what I just you, wanted to okay. dish it up. So so say that reading of his body language is right. Okay, say that's right. And that, but that's what you want him to do. Mm. What do you do? But that's Bryce. No, but you know, no, no. But what do you? You're the coach. He wears his heart on his sleeve. You can okay. sort of see what he's, what he's, how he's feeling every week he plays. He was, uh, he was up for it last week, uh, and his first quarter was as good as I'd no, seen. No, I didn't mind his game. I, I, but, I, I don't, I'm not. I'm second not. quarter, he disappeared. Like yeah. I didn't see him. And then you know, what do you still, do? What do you do? Still if clocked it, up the posies. If you, if that's what you want him to do, but he's not happy doing it, what do you do? If you think we need, he needs. He is required to play that role for this team, mm. but he doesn't want to do it. How do you manage that? What do you say? Like I would do with any player who didn't want to play a position I want them to play. Find another club. Okay. That's what I'd say. I yeah, mean, you can't, yeah, you no, can't no. let them dictate to you. No, you can't. No, you can't. That's, no, that's no, ridiculous. No, you can't. Uh, okay. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to him. You know I'm not saying that per no, se No, 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 I know where you're coming We're from. We're just saying it's hypothetical. That, oh, yeah. he, he might be his value to the team at the moment, having another calm, cool head who can read the lines of attack coming in, intercept, and then use the footy well going out the other way, invaluable. Invaluable. Is he better getting 30 touches in the midfield, kicking 15% 15 of them around the body you know, under pressure? Well, you can argue that. Is he better off getting 20 across half-back or 30 in the midfield? Mm. It, particularly if he's not kicking... If he's not kicking a goal plus a game, and he did kick a goal on the weekend, did, yeah. so, you know, good luck to him. I hope they're having this. I hope at some stage they've had this discussion and they've either thrown it in the bin or they're still mulling it over. Yeah, okay. well, the perfect analogy is Burgoyne down at Hawthorne, well, isn't Sam it? Well, Sam Mitchell did it too, mate. He's they the, did it with Sam a, Mitchell. He's the perfect uh, of course. analogy for that Of role. course, one of, the elite, one of the elite clearance players in the competition at his best. When he was at the feet of Brendan Lade at Port Adelaide, he, that was as good a one-two punch you know, in the middle of the ground and at stoppages as there was in the league at the time. They won a premiership together. But he's done the right thing, and he's probably extended his career by, mm. you know, two years and got a premiership. Nearly won a Norm Smith doing it for Hawthorne. So, and can still go into the midfield when they need him to. So yeah. that part of you, that string to your bow is not lost. lost if no. you, anyway. Um, go on. Oh, I just wanted to bring up, I don't know, you guys are more learned gentlemen than me, but uh, I just want to bring up the... Western Bulldogs and Carlton scenario, uh, what we did on the weekend. Western Bulldogs allowed uh, Collingwood into the forward 50 62 times, and they kicked 86 points because they've got good team defence, a good defence. They push back, they work hard. So, you know, 62 entries, normally you'd score one goal in every four. That's the They won a premiership. They won a premiership doing that, and they're two key defenders – were Joel Hamling and Fletcher Roberts. That's how good their team defence is. Oh. That's how good their team... Fletcher Roberts and Joel Hamling were their 
key defenders. So their team defence, you're saying, is enormous. Right, okay. So the Blues on the weekend, low side, allows Richmond, who are probably the same as Collingwood, are they? Round about that. Yeah, round, round about, about the same that, yeah. sort of side. We allow them in exactly the same amount of times, 62 times we let them in. I'm not saying our defenders were bad, but I do think that our midfields don't get back and help because we let them kick 20 goals, 12, right? Same entries. They've scored 46 points more than what Collingwood did. Mm. Now, is that a, a plus or a minus? Is it, It's never as good as you seem, never as bad as you seem. Is that, uh, what am I saying here? Is this, is it, is it something we can uh, work with? Is it something that like the coach can say, look, you know, the best side in the league, let, 62 entries go in, but... Well, last year we know. were better at that. Our scores, well, that's, that's we were right. much better at that last year. That's, this is why I'm scratching my head. It mm. can't be just Zach Tui. It can't be just Zach yeah, Tui. Yeah, no, and it's, yeah. It is, it's definitely a team thing. I know we had probably more debutantes and, and, and sort of younger legs in the team than we probably did have last year, but we have to get team oriented with the fence and it has to be 22 blokes doing it not just the back six 22 tackles and a half doesn't help that's yeah, I mean, rubbish you, you mate. that's that, rubbish that, that and i mean like help. i don't think i don't know this for a fact but i'm sort of suggesting that the coach last year would have seen the scoreboard get away in that first half and i think the coach last year helped out his players by throwing numbers behind the ball round 1 he didn't do that and he'll have his reasons. I believe his reasons are that they have team meetings all week as to what they're supposed to do, not to let the scoreboard get away. And if it does, they've got to put some certain things in place. If he's going to keep, you know, putting a Band-Aid there, well, what is he teaching them? He's no, not teaching a, them anything. Like and, and the other thing is that the heavy, you know, Gex, you know, identified Dustin Martin as clearly, you know, a 10 out of 10 game. Another great player chops us up. Yeah, so... Again, team meeting after team meeting during the week, they've got a theory for him. I don't know what that theory was, but the theory was there to, to nullify him in some shape, way, or form. Well, we didn't do that. Now, if that was a grand final or a final or a game that meant you know us getting in the eight or not, Bolton sends out a message, heavy clamp, Kerno... Weedering back. Whatever. Yeah. Where'd he go back? Yeah. Kerno, you're on to... Dustin Martin, clamp him down, don't let him get a touch, harass him, right? Exactly what Bontempelli did to Kennedy in the grand final last mm, year mm, after mm, halftime mm. when they identified Kennedy was just having a ball burster. That's what happens then. I'm suggesting he's probably turned around and said, oh, I'm not helping you, boys. Mm. Learn. I'm not going to help yeah, you. No, no, I don't mind that as a theory. Mm. I, I, and I don't know. I've got no idea. But Okay, so, so mm. would, it be, would it be helpful to Carlton supporters... If at the end of the game, Brennan Bolton actually said that, is that is that helpful in his post-game press conference? Maybe he didn't get asked the question. But if you got asked the question specifically, why didn't you throw numbers back? If he came out and said that, right? Basically, if that's what he was thinking, is that, does that help, is that helpful for Carlton supporters to know, well, this is what the coach is thinking and he's going to use this year as a real growth learning. I'm not worried about the... For and against. I'm not worried about the win-loss. I know what this team's going to be. I know. Trust me. I know what this team's going to be. But right here, right now, there's bigger issues at play. We've got bigger lessons to learn than turning a scoreline against of 120 into a scoreline against of 98. 
you know, is that would you like to hear that as a Carlton supporter? I don't think he's going to put the asset on anyone and and sort of say we didn't do this or we didn't do that. I mean, he does very subtly, but I don't think he he, he hasn't pointed the finger and and sort of gone hard at anyone yet. He's always very positive, and I think that's the sort of guy he is. Yeah. In I general. don't think Andy's saying point the finger. No, I'm not so, saying that. I think he's no. saying tell the supporters. If, yeah. Uh, all right. I, I, yeah. I understand. Oh, I'm the. I'm the guy interviewing. I said, "Oh, how come you didn't put a heavy clamp on uh, Dustin Martin?" And why didn't you throw an extra number? Well, back? and no, yeah. no extra numbers there. Well, I'm trying to teach my side. You yeah. know, we go out there with no, a plan, and if it's not working, enough. bad luck. Yep, that's what. And I then want. supporters out here will say, "Okay, okay, now I know why he didn't do this." Yep, yep. Mm. I, I, I reckon I'd like to hear that, but he's got to be asked a question. He's not going to go in there and <laughs> volunteer stuff. Of course not. No, no. So, um, look, times like we've we've yeah. we've obviously spent a lot of time talking. We've Gone for a fair while already here. So Just the massive positive. Give, give us give the us, massive positive is Plowman March, Plowman Marchbank, Petrevsky, Petrevsky, Seaton, right? McCready, Charlie Kerno, Weeders, and Silvani all get through unscathed. Well, pretty much unscathed, and they all did their little bit. Some of them more than others, but I think there was, you know, SPS right had seven tackles and twenty three pressure acts. Yeah. What about his gather? Game one. What about the gather at centre half back off the pack? Oh, he's a natural. Oh, Game one. I, I personally didn't think it was the right thing for him. I agree to be with played you. I agree with you. One. I thought I think there was a better way totally to get, agree. Him, get him fit. But uh, look, from what I saw, I'm I'm very happy with what we've got under our belt. This guy looks like a natural footballer with a really good appetite to play the game, and that's pretty much all I'm looking for at this stage. What is your other big? Did you have another big plus? Uh, oh yeah, look, just again, uh, uh, as alluded to Marchbank, um, he had, he had a number of clangers by foot. Um, he did one of those standstill walking backwards chips that bloody yeah. uh, driving me insane. <laughs> I, I know they want to get play going as quickly as possible. They see a player on blah, blah. But anyway, that will sort itself out because, you know, the guy's played seven freaking games for God's sake and he's playing center half back. He's isolating himself under pressure. He's taking on the best players around him, and he is so freaking gun ho. I've I've seriously loved this guy already. He's yeah, so he's, yeah, he's so and and you know he he doesn't give up. He no. just keeps getting up and having a crack, and he he just puts himself on the line every single time. Yep. Mate, I, I swear to God, just keep keep getting through it, mate. You'll come out the other side. And I said there is a resemblance to to uh, a young Rance when he was starting his career off who suffered exactly the same embarrassments in his early games. I can remember them vividly. I thought, this guy is a spaz, seriously. (laughs) He couldn't couldn't kick. That's true. Couldn't kick to save himself. And look who's the the All-Australian centre-half back all of a sudden. So this guy, I'm telling you, he'll fast track. He'll be a gun and we'll love this guy for a long time. Keep playing weedering forward. He did He did Rance three or four times. Just one-on-one, he just did him. He just did him cold. Well, and... anyone who had Rance in their dream team <laughs> side, they'd be spewing. He got 39 dream uh, time Wiedering, points, so mate, he pulled his pants uh, down. Weedering was magnificent. Oh, for Killed a kid him. who's you know playing out of position, in inverted commas, you know, by his early and brief AFL experiences, he just couldn't have done much more. Got and yeah, you know, he got a nasty little knee Twice. in the hip early, which was pretty poor form by Rance. I reckon mm. Rance knows exactly it was borderline. What, wasn't it, it was bloody oath. It wasn't. He knows exactly what he was doing, Alex Rance. And to the kid's credit, and I was a bit critical of him 
not to push through. He, he, would, he pushed through. He did. He had to come off for a bit, but he's probably going to come off anyway as part he of the rotation. another one later on too. He did. So he didn't come off straight away. He stayed out there. I reckon he had a jab at half time. Oh, he probably oh did. yeah, he probably no did. doubt. Yeah. But he's pulled up fresh. He's going to be fine to play this week. We're a good um, contested footy side. That's mm, another positive. He was magnificent. No, but as, as a club, we are a good contested footy side. Mm. We contest the footy really well. Have a look at your stats and we mm. match it. In contested footy, unfortunately, we let ourselves down when we get it out for whatever reason. If it's a quick kick and the kick off the carpet, and I know a lot of footy is about getting the ball forward and whatever, but I'm not sure we can afford that sort of stuff. I loved, um, I loved, and I say loved, we, I mean it. I loved Jack Silvani's game. I, I, he's going to get more of the footy, and he's going to have a day soon where he'll kick four and we'll actually have a win. We'll actually have a win. We'll get a win for you, Jack's hanging there, but. He, your point in your brain. He's smart. He mate. knows how to play forward. Mm. He just knows there's fa- there's faster blokes, there's stronger blokes. There's, but he knows how to play. He knows how to run angles. He knows how to get create space. He knows how to make himself a good option for blokes who are carrying the ball, you know, towards the arc of fifty. Uh, I, I just, I just love him. I love him. I think he's going to be a really, really, really good footballer. I wonder what I'm interested to see what he does in terms of the way he develops into his ability to just every now and again get a bit higher up the ground. I'll be interested to see what he at the moment he's still a bit light and he mm. can still get bumped off the mm. footy in the cut and thrust. But I reckon, I reckon at some stage in the next couple of years he's going to remember Steve and his old man was a great the grandfather was a great ruck rover, but Sauce could play kind of a gangly sort of midfield. He didn't do it much. He'd often be back one of the, But I used to always think, Silvani could go into the midfield and get and be involved in the game a little bit. He never, was never required yeah. to do it in the teams that he played in. But I reckon Jack might be able to add that string to his bow at some stage. Just the one thing I want Jack to improve on, what I saw on the weekend, and I thought he was a little bit better than this, but when the ball hit the ground, I thought he was a bit fumbly. I thought he... There's a that, lot of guys doing that. Too. Yeah, on, on, I agree with what one, you're saying. Round one, do you cut him some? There's a lot of oh, fumbling. of course you do. A lot of players fumbling in round one yeah, across the I line. just thought there were there were, but there were, there were crucial times yeah, where no, you're right. he he had it, it was there, and if he had a clasped it, he would have dished off a handball or turned around. It was anyway. That's just one little, and he got, and he got a poor decision against him too. Oh, that, mar- oh, that's oh, a mark. Yeah, it's a mark yeah, ninety nine out of mate. They pay them all the time. Please. Anything else before we get to our votes? No, I don't think so. So, so the coaches, the BNF, you probably know this listening to it, you're a Carlton supporter, but um, the coach and three assistants, so there's only three of us here, <laughs> give uh, from anywhere anywhere from four votes down to one vote or nothing. Every week, if you play to blind, you're going to get four votes. If you play to stink, you're going to get none. And they can, order, they can allocate uh, to as many players as they like a point, score of four votes down to one vote that will accumulate throughout the course of the year and will lead to whoever wins the John Nichols medal. So, um, Bagsy, you go first. I didn't give anyone four. I didn't think anyone deserved a four on that performance, but um, I gave ten players votes. I started off with Wiedering a three, uh, Plowman a three, Murphy two, Marchbank two, Rowe two, Wright two. We haven't spoken about Wright, but I thought Wright was really... uh, Wright two, Doherty Two, and then I finished off with Smets, Simo, and Silvani. One, one, one. 
Some people might argue I'm a bit harsh on Simo. He had 33 touches. But again, it wasn't the Simo of old. Didn't impact the match. I agree. So you're going to keep your tally, all right? Can you yep. keep your tally yeah, yeah, week yeah, to sweet. week? Okay, give me your votes, Kiko. Yeah, I'm going to give all these guys twos. Murphy, Cruz, Plowman, Marchbank, Smets and Rowe. I thought we're all pretty well... Some were a little bit better than others, but I reckon around two. And Weedering, Doherty and Simo, I'll give one apiece. Okay, I've left Doherty out of my votes because I reckon he used the ball about as poorly as I've seen him use it in the last 18 months as a Carlton player. So I, I, I like Sam Doherty. I've left him out of the votes despite the fact that he got... I've given four blokes three. Weedering, Murphy, Rowe and Cruiser, I've all given three votes. I know Cruz... Didn't use the ball as well as we might like, but he was getting it in. Kicked heavy, his two goals. Kicked his two goals. He, he's brought the form that we hoped he was going to bring into the season, into the season. I've given two votes to Wright, Silvani, Gibbs, Simpson, and Marchbank. I wasn't quite as harsh on Simo as you blokes. And one vote each to Plowman and Smets. You're going to have to play well to get a vote. That's the bottom line. You play well, you get a vote. Uh, if you play a blind, you're getting four votes. Very good or better than... Good, you're getting two or three. That's pretty much our rule yeah, of thumb, right? So if you play a good game, you're going to get a vote. I think that's generally the way they probably look at it from a coaching perspective. Um, so we'll all keep somewhere in the back of our notebooks. Is that okay if we do this? Because yeah, I can't yeah. be bothered yeah, yeah. creating no, yours and it. yours. No, no, I've got it. Um, Melbourne, all the best, all the best. Uh, you just a quick word. Uh, you saw, you saw the Resies. Yeah, I did. I uh, who are the, the who are the two or three? Oh, Harry, Harry for sure. Beautiful, Harry. Honestly, Carlton fans out there, be excited. He's going to be a player. And look, whether he plays this week or not, I'm not 100% sure, but he's exactly what we need. So definitely, Harry. They are a gettable backline from a height perspective. I rate Tom McDonald, his brother's a player, but they haven't got many tall defenders, Melbourne. So if you're going to throw a real, like, 203 centimetre rangy marking forward in against a team, Melbourne's not a bad team to have a crack at. And I think we've got to run deeper in the midfield, so I'm looking at Kerridge, Palmer, Graham. Okay. That's, that's all. Boys, that's it. We've probably gone a bit over time today, but there's a bit to talk about off the opening round. Uh, Melbourne on Sunday. Sunday afternoon. Eddie Hat Stadium, 3.20 game. Uh, it's going to be a very, very tough test. We'll be back next week to talk about it all again. Um, go and get some sleep, mate. Thank you. I need it. You, you know, don't brag. See you, boys. Bagsy, we'll see you next week. No worries. Uh, that's it. Ep6 done and dust at the Carlton Show. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. You'll get it automatically every week. Share the love too, folks. If you're a regular listener and, you know, there's a couple of Carlton supporters out there that haven't Jerry just yet, uh, point them in the right direction and tell us, tell them all about us. They will know that they've been playing against the famous old dark when making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.